Congratulations, you made it to the X-Fill. You can relax, unpack your bags, and we hope you enjoy the show. Hey there, Mike, a.k.a. MTB Trigger here, and with me as always is Ronald, my co-host, a.k.a. Eric. If you are brand new, welcome. This is an Escape from Tarkov podcast where we talk about all things EFT, and our goal is to get better at the game, and we hope you come along with us for that journey. Let's get into hideout keeping really quick, which is where we talk about everything that's new, anything we think you really need to know about, and stuff that you may want to get involved in. So number one this week on hideout keeping, we, XP Media, the Exfil podcast, the Winner Winner podcast, we're officially looking for a video editor. We are specifically looking in our community, a major bonus if you play both Tarkov and PUBG, but we're looking for a video editor. So if you have an interest or a hobby or a passion for doing that, reach out to Ronald or I. Uh, We want to talk with some folks who are interested in video editing. We've got some projects that we want to get some folks involved in. So reach out if you're interested in that, and we'll tell you what's going on and how you may be able to get involved with XP in that way. The other big thing is the PC giveaway. Uh, By the time you hear this, it's going to be just two short days before this thing goes out and is given away. If you have not entered the PC giveaway that we are giving away through the Winner Winner PUBG podcast. You need to do it now. The link's going to be in the show notes. It's a 1660 Ti. It's a Ryzen motherboard. It's got PUBG peripherals. It's got the limited edition PUBG case. The thing is sick. We built it. Ronald. Ronald built it. I supervised. Um, I know he's laughing right now. But we're giving it away. So make sure you enter. You can use it as a second PC. We don't care what you use it for, but make sure you get in there. Outside of that, the best ways to support the show, as always, number one, most important, share it with a friend. We also have direct support options through Patreon. We added a $1 option on Patreon. We've had a bunch of people take advantage of that. We've had a bunch of new Patreons on all levels, actually. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for those of you that have chosen to support us directly through Patreon. And then lastly, it's all of our social media channels and subscribing to YouTube. Every little thing helps. You may not think that a subscription or a follow or hanging out on Twitch means a whole lot, but you have no idea. It's how we get tracked. It's how brands find us, which we have an awesome announcement coming up soon. Not on this episode, but brands announcement coming soon. And the place if you're looking for just me, uh, you can find me on Twitch at MTB Trigger there. You can find me on Twitter at MTB Trigger. And you can always reach out to me on Discord. But that's all I have to start the show off, and let's get over to Ronald. How are you, man? And let everybody know what's going on in your world and how they can get in touch with you. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Pretty excited for this week, especially when we're talking about something that I absolutely love. But before we get into that, the best way to get a hold of me is always in Discord. Send me a DM in the XP Media Discord. You can do that any time of the day. We're pretty much checking Discord all the time. The community's very active, easy to get a hold of me there. You can also follow me on Twitter at Ronald Gaming. And if you have something outside of 
that, you can email it directly to the show at xpmedia2020 at gmail.com. And a couple of times a week, I'm hanging out in MTV Trigger's Twitch stream. So it's twitch.tv slash MTV Trigger. Hanging out, talking to people, having a good time, answering questions, whatever. We're just generally uh, nerding out there. So come check that out. Watch Trigger kill some people. Come hang out with me. It's all good. But first, before we get into the main part of the show, which tonight I'm super excited about, we're going to be talking about making money. I just, I, there's the, the, the intro here is really just going to be a, a direct end. I, I love making money. You all know this is episode 44 of the Dexville podcast. We all know that my favorite part about Tarkov is making money. We're going to be talking to you, the new player. We're going to be talking to you the mid-level player, and maybe even someone who's a high-level player. Maybe not. I don't know. But you may find something interesting out of this talk. But our goal tonight is to help you to walk away from this conversation with a couple ideas on how we make money in Tarkov. So before we uh, dive into specific things, uh, Trigger, what do you got for us? Yeah, I guess I just wanted to talk really briefly about why we're doing this. And I'm just going to call this the making money, the making currency it's the ruble episode in the Xville podcast. I guess I wanted to talk about why really quick because it's really easy once you start making money to just do the same thing, just to use that strat and it can feel punishing to go try other money making strats. And so we're going to do two things. We're going to go over some key concepts that are kind of like use this concept and apply it all over the Tarkov universe. And then we're going to talk specifically about how Ronald and I make money in scavs, in PMCs, and in the hideout, right? Kind of those phases of the game, the two ways you can be in a raid and then what you can be doing out of a raid. So nearly daily, we hear from a listener or a batch of listeners or somebody joins Discord and is talking about this, and they may be having trouble maintaining currency. They may have decided to go after Kappa and the task system is just draining their supply of currency in-game, or they just haven't figured out yet or don't understand how to get millions of rubles. And it's okay. We hear this all the time. And especially as a brand new player, don't feel like you have to have 10 million rubles in your stash. But tonight, we're literally going to break down as many of our money-making high-level strategies and specific strategies as we possibly can with the hopes that you walk away with one that you can put into action. And then furthermore, we have a bunch of ways we make money. We're aware of a lot of ways you can make money, but we're going to try to talk about the ones we're really good at in hopes that other people who have money-making strategies, we want to start the conversation. So jump in, dive in, use episode feedback, Use general chat wherever. Let's talk about making money in Tarkov this week. I'm getting all hyped up, man, because this is like something that we sprinkle in all the time. And it was so cool to think about all of the ways that I make money in the game. And I was kind of laughing because I'm like, oh, yeah, it'll take me 10 minutes to get my notes ready. And then as we're doing it, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I've been working on this for like 30 minutes. It may be longer than the segment lasts on the show. But it was so fun to like really think about making money. What was your experience as you thought about like how you make money in game as we were working on the concepts and stuff? Well, I think it's great to take a few minutes and kind of think about the journey of making money in Tarkov because it starts at zero for everybody. And we definitely started at zero. 
you know, and got to the point where we're at now where money really isn't a problem. And we want to specifically help people get to this point. Now, there's many different ways to do it. But for me, the most exciting part of thinking about tonight's show was, hey, I want that person who buys the game and is level three and still just not understanding what's going on or doesn't understand how to make money or broke or whatever. Or maybe you're level nine. You haven't unlocked the flea market yet and you're still really struggling with currency. I want that person to walk away from tonight's episode with some basic things, basic concepts that we're going to present, but also with some hope that, hey, it's going to get better. And you know what? If you're level, if you're in the 20s, you don't need that basic stuff. And But we do have a couple of interesting crafts. If you read patch notes, you can actually figure out what BSG is doing. We've got some interesting stuff there to go over. And then when you get into endgame players too, some of this is going to be just review for you. Some of it may not matter, but you may enjoy the discussion. And that's really how we want to set this up. We're aiming this at people that we can help the most. And that is that that newer player, you know, that that's in Tarkov, that's struggling to make currency. We really want to focus this week's episode on helping those people. Yeah. And I think, honestly, as I thought about it, I was just thinking about when I started playing this game and I started watching YouTube videos and I started watching Twitch and I was like, how do I get better at the game? And for me, one of the first things that I noticed about the game was if I can control and manage my currency, I'm not going to have a problem with any aspect of the game. Now, that's really simple to say. It's not easy in practice. And so and so I know that on my first playthrough, I didn't even start feeling comfortable in Tarkov and really doing anything in the game or even giving into PvP, which I love until I was in my mid-20s. So I don't want you to hear what Ronald said and be like, well, if I'm level 18 or 32 or 44 and I'm struggling with currency, that this isn't for you, because it is. It took me a long time to get all these strategies, and I got them from all over the place, and I've tried a bunch of stuff that I have never had success in, but I hear about people having success in all the time. And you're not going to hear us talk about those tonight unless we decide to do like, hey, here's some other things you can look at. But I just wanted to say that this is for anybody that wants to make currency. So I want to jump in and what we're going to start on is some just key concepts that really flow into this. Okay, so the first thing I wanted to bring up was the concept of surviving. Now, a lot of you are going to laugh, but when we're making money in this game, you have to think about survival, especially since the find and raid change. And for those of you that are brand new to the game, The fight and raid change means that if you loot an item when you're on a PMC or a scab and you die and you haven't X-filled successfully, which if you die on a scab, you don't get it anyway. But if you die on a PMC or you leave too early or you leave too early as a scab, that item isn't found in raid and you can't sell it on the flea market, which in some cases can really devalue that because it's worth more to players than it is the traders. So survival is critical. And it kind of flows into everything we're going to talk about when you're talking about PMCs and scavs. Because if you don't survive, you're severely limiting the amount of slots in your inventory that you can bring loot out of the raid in. So when you're making money, when you're thinking about being in raids and trying to figure out what to do next, because this game will throw you curveball after curveball after curveball, your number one thought should always be, how can I survive? Because at the very least, that means you don't have to replace all of the gear that you're wearing. And in the best case scenario, it means you get out with your pockets 
your rig, your backpack, your secure container full of loot that you can either go make new kits with, you can sell, you can turn that into other items, but survival is key. Absolutely. And if you're a new player, so if you're level one, there's two things that you can really do to really set yourself up for major success when it comes to making money right off the bat. The first thing is you can take advantage of the offline raid system to learn the map, to figure out where you get in and then where you get out. Because a new player, this is going to be a totally different experience. You have to find the extract to survive in Tarkov. And we know that for players that are more veteran. But if you're new, you may still be struggling with this whole concept of getting out of the map and living. So you can use the offline raid system to find how to actually get out of the map. Second part about that, loot spawns in the offline raids. So you can go and find the areas where the loot is spawning. You obviously can't keep it, but you can practice finding where to get it. And that, I think, is huge because you're going to have some anxiety. You're going to have some stress of doing it initially when you're new. And you don't want to have the stress of trying to find it as well as the stress of trying to get out with it as well. So our suggestion, right off the bat, offline raids, great thing to do. And what, what I always tell new players when they text me or DM me and they're like, okay, what do I do, Ronald? I, I need to make money. I don't know what I'm doing. Well, the first thing I say is practice one specific area of a map. Don't try to chew on all of Shoreline all at once. It's too big. It's too much. You're not going to be able to do that as a new player. It's too overwhelming. If you watch a YouTube video of somebody's reserve loot run and you're level two, it's going to be way overwhelming. You're just going to die. It's going to be too much to handle. So my suggestion is, even if it comes down to picking a building or two, pick a building or two, pick an area of the map on Shoreline, or a small little area, go in an offline raid, look around, scavenge, find where those loot spots are, and then use your scav. And try this with your scav. Do a scav run to that specific area find the things that are there that you that you know where they are, and then just get out. It doesn't matter. You don't have to have a home run when you're learning how to find and get out with loot in the beginning stages. Yeah, I agree. And you said something that's critical, and I just want to repeat it here, in that spending time in an offline raid may not seem like progress, but knowing where loot spawns are, knowing where scabs might be, and just general areas like Ronald said, if you pick one or two areas and having a general understanding of how to move around it, through it, where loot might be, and knowing where loot might be can be absolutely critical to surviving. And that's the reason why we're talking about it right now, in that knowing where the loot is is great. You could have like a reserve run perfectly memorized, like Ronald said, but Tarkov will throw you curveballs, and it's one thing to run into an area and know where the Ledex spawn is, know where the graphics card spawn is, but then you may have an extract that you're not familiar with. You may need to exfil somewhere that you haven't gone yet, and then you're going to run into scabs or PMCs or players or all these other things. And so map knowledge is absolutely critical to making currency because you want to have an idea of where you're going with your PMC or scav, if at all possible. Now that said, a lot of times, I'll discover stuff and make money by exploring because I had to do something to survive, like rotate away that I wouldn't normally rotate because I saw two enemy players or I took damage and had to run for cover and oh, I ended up in this hut. 
And oh, look, there's a crate in this hut. I had no idea. So it's not just map knowledge going into the map, but there's also a critical thing of being aware of where you are in the moment, because sometimes you'll learn stuff as different things happen to you while you're in the raid. So really good point. I agree with the uh, offline part of survival completely as it relates to currency. Yep. And it flows into the next piece of climbing the loot tier in Tarkov. And it's just not to be too greedy. There's going to be a natural desire to fill every available slot. And you will get to the point where you're good enough where you can do that. And that'll become normal to you. But at the beginning, that's not the way the game's going to go for you. You're going to have to accept the fact that you're going to have to exfil with slots that are that are empty. And you're going to have to just be okay with the fact that that's actually not wasted time because you still lived. And in the beginning of Tarkov, it's more important to live than it is to hit a home run with loot. And we're going to you're going to hear us say that over and over and over again because it's just something that is so tempting that a lot of other games that have loot, it's just okay, I'm going to go fill up and go, but with Tarkov you have to be much more intentional with the way that you do things, especially in the beginning. Otherwise, you're just not going to have any currency and you'll just be getting the welfare AK from Uncle Prapper, which is still good that it's in the game, but not what you definitely want. So don't be greedy is really the thing. Don't be greedy. Have your level of greed commiserate with your experience level. And as you get more comfortable, let, let your greed go wild because when you die, it's your own fault and you can accept it a little bit easier because you know what happened and why it happened. Yeah, and I think every single person that plays this game for any length of time, they may not be able to recall a specific instance where maybe they went to loot a body too early. Maybe they had three extra slots and just didn't quite know how to play the loot Tetris in their inventory, right? And they got killed while they were looting. Or, you know what, I'm going to go hit this stash on the way out. You know what, I'm going to go do this task even though I have full bags and I'm heading towards the exfil. I think all of us have had those situations where we get greedy and then something bad happens, whether it's another player or a scab or whatever, and we die. And that's leaving so much on the table when we could have just exfilled, unloaded all of our stuff, gone back in. And then if we die, we still got all that other stuff out. So this one I can't speak to enough. Don't be greedy. Don't be greedy. Don't be greedy maximizing loot is something that will come with time and knowing the value of things will come with time and the speed of looting will come with time. But you just don't have to feel bad about, oh man, I didn't get to loot that guy or maybe I should have hit that hut on the way out. No, if you get out and you survive, especially if you're on a net positive currency situation, always feel good about that in this game. It's not easy to do. So the next key concept that I want to talk about especially after not being greedy, is one that's sort of related to greed. (laughs) And the key concept is reading the patch notes. Now, that may just sound crazy to you, but or you may listen to us go over patch notes, you may consume that content somewhere else, or you may read it when you get time. One of the things that I always read patch notes for is changes related to in-game items, specifically drop rates, uh, changes to how things drop, where, when, uh, changes to barters, things like that. So I'm going to give you an example right now. And this one is super intentional and it's related to the hideout. But this was 
first a big deal because of the patch notes that this came up in, which were very recent. So I want to tell you about an item, and it's the SSD. And in the most recent patch, the 12.8 patch, the SSD was changed so that it now drops or is able to be found when you are looting computers. Now, that may not have seemed like a big change to most people. It was just like, oh, cool, I can find SSDs when I'm looting computers now. Well, for me, as I thought about currency and I thought about SSDs, I immediately went to, well, SSDs are a critical component of the graphics card double craft, meaning you have to use SSDs to craft VPXs, and then you use VPXs to craft graphics cards. And in my mind, the fact that they were going to be available in computers was going to immediately devalue them because there's going to be a bigger supply of them coming into the flea market, and that means those crafts are going to change. Now, if the SSD's price goes down and graphics card price stays relatively the same, which is usually what happens when these changes are first made because all of the influx of quantity hasn't hit the market yet. So for those of you that are really into market mechanics, this is a fascinating one. But what I did is I went and said, okay, well, SSDs are going to plummet, but as more SSDs go onto the market, people are going to start crafting VPXs and GPUs, which means the supply of RAM and broken G phones is going to go way down, which is going to drive their price up. And then the price of CPUs and CPU fans are going to do the same thing because there's just going to be more people wanting to craft this because of the relative price decrease of SSDs. So I went and bought a bunch of RAM, a bunch of broken G phones, a bunch of CPUs, and a bunch of CPU fans, knowing that I was going to do this craft. Now, the reason I'm bringing this specific one up is it is one of potentially many. And for as long as this game exists and there's a barter system and there's a flea market, you will have opportunities when things change to make a lot of money. Now, this one's really cool, though, because you can actually make money even still because of the price changes that happen from this effect. So let me illustrate it. In order to craft a VPX, and it's actually you get two VPX out of this, you need three RAM sticks, an SSD, and a broken G phone. A single GPX sells for 115000 so two is 230000 We're going to ignore fees for now. The price of three RAM is 105k rubles, SSDs are now 54k, and broken G phones are 16k. So just crafting two VPX nets you 230k at an investment of 175k. Now, if you do the graphics card craft, which you can do twice because you have two VPXs, you need two CPUs and four CPU fans in addition to your VPX. It's going to cost you 24000 in CPUs. It's going to cost you 80000 in CPU fans, plus the original 175000 you had in the VPX, both of the VPXs. So you're going to be all in for 279000 rubles on these two crafts, and you get two graphics cards out of that. And those graphics cards right now are selling for at least 250,000. So you're basically creating 221,000 rubles of profit for running through two crafts by buying directly off the flea market. Doesn't take into account if you happen to find some of this stuff in raid. So when you hear this, if the prices of those items are still similar to what I just said, which there's no guarantee they will be, you should be doing these on cooldown until this catches up because you're basically printing 221000 less the fees on the flea market. 
every single time you to do this. So that's right now after this initial market switch. But let me tell you what happened when this patch hit and on day one, all of these prices were radically lower on the other components. And then the SSD started to tank from like 116K or 140K or whatever it was. And it started to tank, 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 tank. And I already had all of the other mats piled up. And those mats started to go up. The SSDs went down. So I bought all that other stuff lower. Then I bought the SSD lower. And now I have a surplus of this stuff that I can just craft graphics cards over time and just make money doing that at a much better rate than what I just shared with you. So I know that was long. But that whole thing stems from if you pay attention to the changes in barter items in crafting and how things spawn or are able to be looted, you may be able to find an example like this that's not necessarily as big, but you could potentially find something that you can do over and over and over and just print currency in this game. Absolutely. And the other piece of this is we want to hear from you. So this is our first ask in the episode. In episode feedback or in the comments on YouTube down below, we want to hear from you. What kinds of crafts are you willing to share from your super secret stash of ways to make money that are pretty reliable? Now, realize that the flea market pricing is all over the place, right? It's an open market. Prices go up and down. So it's very important before you try any of the crafts in the hideout to understand what each component costs to try to figure out how much your profit margin is going to be and if the craft is really worth it. So before you run out and try this, make sure you do your research because your mileage may vary on this stuff. But this has been pretty reliable since 12.8 dropped. And so we want to know from you, what other kinds of things have you found that you're willing uh, to share with the community to help people who are struggling to make money? But I can speak from my own personal experience. As we were doing the show notes for this, I set up my VPX craft. So that is boiling and nice uh, percolating well in my intelligence center right now. And so I look forward to trying this uh, and seeing how it goes over the next uh, week, especially as prices normalize on these. And then it'd be interesting to pick it up again in say like a month and just see where things ended up being. If you don't have enough money to start this craft, you can farm those CPUs and the CPU coolers and SSDs. They're in computers. So if you're going to do shoreline. You can go in the buildings and find the computers. Going to go in interchange in the mall. You can find computers. Basically, Battlestate buffed the drop rate of SSDs so far up that we're finding them all over the place now in computers. So keep that in mind. You can you can farm all of these mats fairly easily to do this, and the RAM sticks too. Obviously, they come from computers or. More commonly, I've seen RAM sticks on shelves and floors, I would say more so than in computers, but both are most likely possible. Yeah, interestingly though, so I'll get into my strategy for why interchange in a little bit, so a little precursor to that, but I've never found RAM on a shelf, I've only found it in a computer. So that's super interesting that you've kind of had the opposite experience. Yeah, I actually, the one place where I find RAM on the floor is in the upstairs of the weather station and shoreline in that okay. room in front of the computer racks. When you come up the steps, you're looking right at it, the wall with the safe. They'll sometimes be on the floor. There'll be a stick of RAM on the floor in the corner. It's hard to see unless you know, you know, kind of where it spawns, but that's a good spot where it's just sitting out. When we're talking map knowledge, it's not an area that I frequent, but 
that right there is once you get used to an area like we were talking about, that's a nice item. Right now, ram sticks are going for like, I don't know, 30k a piece, 35k a piece. And that's a one slot item. It's a really good one slot item. So I mean, just that little thing, if you're going to focus on shoreline, it's going to make sense to know where that is. Because it's those things that if you go and you know where to look and you know where to check, huge benefit to your currency situation if, you know, once every three times you go in, there's a ram stick laying there. So it's a great point. Yeah, absolutely. And when we get into interchange, uh, you're much more familiar with interchange than I am. I know that there's ram sticks all over the place because when we run interchange together, we do occasionally find them. So the last kind of key concept we wanted to cover before we jump into our individual strategies and why we run them is something I'm going to call you don't have to farm Lettuxes. <laughs> you can, but you don't have to. I think it's so easy to get sucked into big ticket item farms or key farms that you can basically put yourself in a situation where you're fighting with all of the veterans, all the new players who are all running after this latest video, when sometimes you can do efficiency runs that are quicker and faster and have a higher success rate and can really put you in a scenario where you have a higher success rate of, of making good money over a long time or at least a similar rate of currency. And so the question I would ask you is, how many raids is it going to take you to successfully get out with a found in raid Lettex? Versus how many scav runs would it take you to achieve the same amount of currency to get the same amount as you would for a Lettex? I want you to think about that related to this. And as we're talking about the strategies that we use, because it's something that I think about all the time. It's like, yeah, I could go run into resort over and over and over and try to get a Letex, or I can do something that I can live 90% of the time in and pull out really good value. So that's kind of my take on efficiency and thinking about efficiency as it relates to money making. Early on, I learned in Tarkov that the game, the meta, if you want to use that term, for making money in Tarkov is not getting Letexes. It's not home run high value loot. It definitely is profitable to run only for, you know, if you can get out with high value loot. But it also is very punishing. You are going to die a lot with that high value loot trying to get it out of the map because everyone's going for the home run, right? There's an analogy in baseball that you can win the game with singles. You don't have to always swing for the home run. So you know, you don't need to be Barry Bonds. You can be Pete Rose and still win the game. And I'm a baseball nerd as well. So for those of you in the <laughs> audience that like baseball, you'll appreciate that reference. So I would say that I've just learned that in the beginning of Tarkov, I watched a lot of loot guides, which are all good. I'm not disparaging any of them. I think that it's great. There's lots of variety out there. But it kind of led me to the realization that a lot of veteran players that make guides make guides that are the way that they play. And they're showing their home runs, basically. And they want you to be successful. So that's why they're making the guide. They want you to be able to run into reserve and hit the home run. They want you to be able to run up to the resort and hit the home run. So they want your success to be to be vast and be a large ruble count per time played. It's going to take you a while to get to that point. So I learned early on that it's more about efficiency and survival for the time that you put in than it is about ruble count that you get out. And when we get into our individual strategies, I'll cover that in more detail. 
But just going for LEDXs is most likely for the majority of people not going to be profitable. And so as, as we kind of run through this next section here, where we're going to talk about our individual strategies, which are different, but different in ways that probably can help different groups of people. We don't just go for the home run. And I think that that's kind of something to think about when you're being honest with yourself. Like, if you're broke, why are you broke? Are you always going for the home run? Have you, or do you feel like you're not playing the game right if you accept, you know, something less than a LEDX in your bag or storming after something? You know, just things to reflect on and think about uh, if you're having trouble making money. Totally agree. And I'm going to reiterate right now that as we move into our individual strategies, this is not meant to be a comprehensive list of the things that you can do to make money. It's not every single thing that I do or have done to make money. These are the strategies that I use in the various parts of the game. And there's some very intentional reasons for that. And it's okay if you don't agree with those reasons. What I can tell you is for mine specifically, and probably Ronald's to a greater effect than mine because he has three times the amount of liquid currency that I do. But for me, this strategy has allowed me to maintain my ruble count and have it basically be always increasing uh, when I play the game. And so I just wanted to reiterate that we're not saying that these are the best ways to make currency. These just happen to be the ways we do. These are specific to us. So the first thing I want to talk about is scav runs. And for me specifically, when I'm focused on making money. Interchange is my spot. And I'm going to give a couple reasons for that. We've actually outlined my specific routes on interchange <laughs> in previous episodes. But the truth be told is if you scav into interchange, typically you're put in with 15 minutes or less. And that is enough time to get really anywhere in the mall and loot. My favorite spot is Ollie and then get out. Now, the reason that I like Ollie is one, as I know it like the back of my hand, but it has some very specific advantages. There are bolts, there are screw nuts, there are water filters, there are fuel containers, and these are things that are extremely useful in the hideout, which we'll talk about soon, but I just want you to know that they fit into a hideout strategy that I have, and Interchange has all of these things. Additionally, that crafting situation that I just told you about above, Interchange, and Ollie specifically, has six computers in the main room, and then in the back rooms, there's an additional seven computers just in Ollie that are easily accessible as you're moving towards the exfil. So you actually have the ability to hit 13 computers easily as you're moving towards the exfil. Now, there's actually more computers in and around Ollie, but they're not as easy to get to. But now that you can find SSDs, you can also find the CPU fans, the CPUs. Now, you can basically find all of that stuff to do these crafts that we were talking about. So scaving on interchange for me is I know the routes, I know the exfils, and something that, Ronald, you said was... You're right. A lot of the videos out there are the home runs. And anyone that's made a guide, and we talk about this because I want you to be successful. I want anyone who uses my interchange strategy to be successful. The best part of interchange for me is it was the first map that I learned as a PMC, and I only scav on interchange now. And the reason for that is I know it like the back of my hand, so I know the way that PMCs rotate. I know that if I go certain routes, one in every 10 raids, I'm probably going to be in a situation where I get to shoot at a PMC who has filled his bags and is trying to exfil. 
And pretty regularly, I'll actually do that. And just last week, I actually was leaving out Ollie down the ramp, and I was fortunate enough to be on an SVDS scav. And as I came down the ramp, I heard someone running. I look left, and on the other side of the ramp, a really juicy PMC is crossing. Shot him once in the head. He had his Killa armor, the Killa armor that he took off Killa. He had meta guns. He had all this stuff in addition to what he had looted through the map. And I was able to leave out the Embercom exit. So for me, it's map knowledge, it's efficiency, and it supports my hideout strategy. So I know that was long-winded, but that's why I scav on Interchange. So that's my scav strategy. Uh, Ronald, how do you make money as a scav? So I've detailed in previous episodes my favorite shoreline scav runs. I have no idea which episode number it is. You could have to go back and take a look. (laughs) It was a while ago, so probably in the teens maybe, when I really started to embrace shoreline and understand uh, how I can make money on it. I know I've dropped a map or two in the Xfil Discord about where I go to scav based on where you zone in. But the reason why I like shoreline for scaving is because it supports my playstyle very nicely. And I can get in and out of Shoreline fairly quickly. And if I just am playing with the intention of making money, there are so many caches on the outskirts of Shoreline. I basically make a big square around Resort and then hit Power Station and Weather Station if I need to, even. But between Power Station, the Villa, Weather Station, and the Pier, you never even have to go to Resort. If you're looking to make money, you don't necessarily want to have your primary objective to be to get into PvP because that just adds more risk of not making money. And so I tend to like Shoreline because I don't have to get into PvP. I can not engage and play the map with the intention of making money, or I can engage along the way. If I see an opportune moment, I can take it, but I can play the way that I want to play. Now, I generally will exfil from Shoreline within maybe 12 to 15 minutes. And my general take in that 12 to 15 minutes is between 400 to 600K. So that basically means that I'm not hitting a home run. I'm not, you know, I'm not hitting like a single every time either. It's a good, strong average, middle of the ground scav run. But because of that, because I just realized that, hey, my bags are three quarters full. I know I've hit my 400K minimum threshold, basically, that I set for myself as my goal. And I just leave, go up, reset, try again, rinse, repeat, and sell. And because I've kind of accepted that as a strategy, the amount of efficiency that I have for time played in game for gaining currency is so high that I actually, I out earn the people that go for just the home runs all the time because my currency count is pretty high given the amount of time that I have to play right now. And so I want everyone to know that you can be very successful and you can have a large currency account to fund whatever playstyle you want. And that'll be a different episode. But there's a reason why I have a high currency account because I'm spending a lot of rubles right now. And that'll be maybe, maybe next week's episodes. We'll see. Yeah, so as we're talking about our scav runs, and again, we've detailed these on past episodes. We don't want to go completely into those runs. But I think something critical when you're focused on making money is establishing a route, establishing a run that in a non-PVP scenario, you know the places you want to check, and then you start to learn where you may encounter PMCs when doing that. And 
on interchange, there's also stashes on interchange. It's similar in that way when you're outside. There is any number of routes you can take, all with varying degrees of percent opportunity that you'll run into a PMC or another player scav. You know, so if you're going on interchange and you run to the middle of the mall, you're just increasing the chances that somebody else is going to shoot at you. The same way that if you're scaving on shoreline and you run into the health resort, that's where most of the high-tiered loot is. You're just increasing the odds that another player scav is going to be there or a PMC is still going to be there looting. So you just have to make that decision for yourself. Like, am I really here to make money or am I here to get a home run or do I not have a plan? And not having a plan is fine. There are times when I just say, I want to scab because I just got killed as a PMC and I am going to go send it. But don't trick yourself into thinking you're going to make money on those runs. Make sure that you, you have a clear goal because having that goal on your scab, if it's to make money, I do things completely differently. I will sprint away from a PvP encounter if I have, you know, two, 300k worth of loot on my PM or on my scab. So make sure you have a route, make sure you have a run. It doesn't matter if it's completely defined and you know every loot spawn along the way. Just make sure you have something you can do through offline raids or through raiding that you can get back into and, and be consistent on that you try to stick to that route. Yeah, and the last point that I'd have about scaving specifically is to not overlook guns that you find on scavs that maybe are not desirable, but they have components that probably are. So you always want to make sure you double check shotguns for flashlights. Always make sure you double check the vepers or whatever for scopes, maybe not vepers, but any a hunter, everything. Pull one slot attachment items off, scopes, flashlights, things like that, because you can sell all of that stuff for, you know, let's say eight to 15K. And it adds up. It really does add up, especially in the beginning when you don't have a lot of money. And you always want to make sure that you not only pull off gun parts, but that you fill that second gun slot out on the way out. So check those scavs, take that trash shotgun with you, take a trash pistol, you have a slot for it, use it, take it with you. All of that is sellable. And the basic idea with scav running is that everything, be a loot goblin and sell it all. And if you can get used to going after maybe the second tier of loot, you're going to have way less competition for that. And it's going to be more time efficient for you to go after that level of loot in just about every map than it is to always go for a home run. I agree. And one of the things that just changed recently in the 12.8 patch is if you click and drag an item or a part that you've either looted in a box or on another player or a gun, like a flashlight or, you know, the sprut that you see on shotguns, it will highlight items that you have on where that can go. So there's even easier opportunities to maximize the parts of guns now that you take out because you can kind of click them and drag them real quick to see if they can drop onto stuff you already have. But I love the point you made about pick up a second gun. I love the point you made about, you know, check the gear and see if you can attach it the right way. And again, it's over time you're going to learn these little things like the sprut can hold three different flashlights. So if you get in a situation where you come across a lot of dead bodies and they all have a bunch of shotguns or you're a PMC killing scabs and you loot a shotgun, check to see if there's a sprut and then you could put multiple flashlights on one. And in some cases, those flashlights sell for like 10K to mechanic, depending on which one it is. You know, so it's not just that they sell well on the flea market. A lot of these strategies are the same with selling to traders 
even at low levels. And when you don't have them leveled up all the way, it can help you get to that spend that you need with them anyway. So great points on that. I love that. And scav is a great way to practice looting and, you know, seeing what's actually valuable. I mean, there was so many times where I would loot like a Glock rear sight or a Glock front sight. And I'd get out and be like, ah, I wasted that slot. But then I did it for the eighth time and realized that I shouldn't do that anymore. So I think that's a really good summary on scavs. Now, I want to talk about hideout. Basically, outside of the flea market, the best way to generate income sometimes for free or like we talked about with the SSD craft, it's a way to maximize the things you find or things you can buy and put them to use. Now, there's some critical things in the hideout that I do to make money. Now, I want to relate this back really quick to my scav interchange run. Now, there's a craft at the laboratory that makes a magazine case, okay? And it takes a metal cutting scissor, it takes two blue fuel canisters, three bolts, and three screw nuts. The path that I run on interchange has all of those items in usually when you scab in, you'll find at least two or three of those per run. And so in the hideout, I'm almost always making a magazine case with stuff that I found. So it's just turning those items into something that I can sell to therapists for a couple hundred thousand. Additionally, in the hideout, I do super water craft and moonshine craft, and that takes the water filters that I find in Ollie and turns them into moonshine that I like to turn into thick items cases. Or if I really need money, I can sell those. I haven't done it yet, but I could. And so those two things are really the key to why I started Scav Running Interchange is I always wanted my hideout going because I know that if I die or I lose something, that I'm always producing those things in the background and that if I needed it, I could sell them for a couple hundred thousand if I really needed the rubles. And then I got the Bitcoin farm going. And if you haven't ever got that going, that's something I highly recommend. It's I know it sounds silly that you know, it's a fluctuating currency and, you know, there's all of these like cutoffs of, well, if you get this amount of graphics card, it pays off in this amount of time. And I don't know anybody that regrets doing the Bitcoin farm because once you have it going, you're not really worried about the money you put into it. You're mostly just worried that it's spitting out money at some sort of rate later. And so unless you're really only playing you know, like one day a week and you can't turn the generator on, which if if that's your situation, don't waste the time on it. But if you can log in every couple days or every day, even just for a few minutes, the Bitcoin farm is just fantastic. So you'll notice that my hideout strategy is directly tied to my scab strategy for making money because sometimes I don't find anything related to my hideout. And sometimes I'll walk out with three water filters and three fuel cans or just a bunch of stuff that really helps my hideout. But the truth is, I only run scav on interchange because if in a given 10 raids, I can usually fund my crafts that I need to do for a couple days worth. And then I sell everything else that I find. So that's kind of how I make money using my hideout is funding those crafts and making sure that my gas is in so that my Bitcoin's going. How about you, man? What do you do in the hideout to make money? I would say that everything you said is very similar to what I'm doing with the hideout. Now, the hideout strategy from a high level depends upon what level you are in game. Some of these things are not available until you're past level, say, 30 or level 35 or 37, I think. 
So if you're not there and you're you're listening to this thinking, well, I don't have the ability to make, you know, super water moonshine stuff, what I would suggest you do is take a look at what you can do. So look at your intelligence center, even if it's level one, look at the lavatory at level one, the med station, and take a look at what's there. An early craft that's actually profitable is the propitols in the uh, med station. I believe it's I don't remember exactly how many it is. It's been a while since I've done it. But but you can make what you need to put into it is usually profitable in the beginning. I think it's seven. Seven. That sounds about right. So stuff like that, when you are starting off, your hideout strategy is centered around understanding the inputs into the crafts and making sure that the output is something that you either need to use for your PMC advancement or that you can sell on the flea market and make money. And that's what I do. And that fluctuates all the time. It just takes effort to look up the different pieces. And after a while, it's not as overwhelming as it is at first because you kind of get a sense for what things are going for, you know, depending on which trader or depending on the flea market is going. The other piece about it as well is you will find items while you're scabbing that can be traded for other items. And usually it's profitable. For example, uh, Tetrises can be traded for Bitcoins and with Mechanic, I believe it is. And when you do that trade, you end up usually coming out ahead in most of the time, depending on what the price of Bitcoin is. Now, when Bitcoins were on the flea market, this was a really good trade and it was limited. You can only do one, or I think, per reset or one or two maybe per reset. Now that Bitcoins are not on the flea market, it's not as profitable, but it still is profitable. I just looked before we recorded this episode. It's one of my more favorite things to do. You may only make 10 or 15K, but it's a free 10 or 15K for like four clicks. So that's something to keep in mind. There are trades on the traders themselves that are profitable. There's another one. There's a gun trade, if I remember correctly, and Trigger, you might, you have to fill it in, but it's like, it's batteries, I think. It's two rechargeable batteries. Uh, somebody, somebody comment down below and, and tell me what, what that gun trade is that I'm thinking of. That, that's the batteries, because I know that there is one. And I did that a couple times too. There's some obscure ones as well. And what I would suggest is every level that you unlock with your trader, click on the, the trade or barter tab and figure out what they can do and what items you need to have to complete the different barters and see what's there, see what's worth it. Because I guarantee at every phase of the wipe and Tarkov, certain things will be profitable. They just are because they're in demand at different phases as the majority of the herd of players levels and pushes through different phases of the game. So keep that in mind because there's a lot of profit to be made. It just takes a little bit of out of raid time in game to figure out what those things are. And my strategy encompasses the hideout, encompasses the trades of the traders, kind of all of that. And it, there's not a lot of things to point at, say, absolutely do this because it's a moving target. And, you know, we could tell you to go do things like we have already in this episode. But the truth is your mileage is going to vary on that stuff, depending upon what the market's doing at that time. So again, I've really focused on understanding the trades and understanding what I need to do uh, to maximize those trades. Yeah, and you hit on something with the barter system and checking the traders every so often that is really valuable. And I am so guilty of this. And this is one of those things that I honestly don't do. I wish I did. And in a handful of cases, I do. But you can go to the traders 
And when you're thinking about making money or increasing your ruble count, limiting your rubles out is also a very good thing to have in your mind. And when you unlock new trades or barters, you may be commonly coming across something that can trade for something else you need or you could use or something you could sell and make money. Kind of like Ronald was saying, he has shown me the Tetris spawn in the radio tower of Shoreline that's on his route. So he regularly gets Tetrises on his runs and you can do the the buy and sell like he talked about. But if he just sold that Tetris, he would make money. But he's saying he can be regularly finds a Tetris and then he does that trade and turns it into even more money. But on the other side, maybe there's other things like wreck batteries that that's not a trade I'm familiar with. But if you're finding a lot of those wreck batteries, maybe there's a trade you can use to turn those in to something else that makes it a better profitable trade for you. And I think that's an awesome strategy. So using the traders to limit you know, money out is also really good. You know, I can think of ways that just recently, you know, I never really transferred a lot of rubles into dollars. And there were some things I used to buy a lot of just off the flea market in rubles that Peacekeeper sold in dollars. And a lot of times it was face shields and things like that. And I was spending so much money buying those on the flea market when if I just would have checked my trades, I could have turned rubles into dollars and bought the face shield for like 60% of what I was used to paying for it in rubles. So don't be like me. Make sure you know your trades or at least looking every once in a while. And I love the strategy of looking at it every time you unlock a new level of a trader. I think that's a really good strategy. Absolutely. Tarkov will give you ways to make money. They're just not always obvious. So the game does have many different paths for making money, but the real key to Tarkov is being efficient for the amount of time that you put in while you're in the making money phase. Otherwise, it's going to feel like you're just not getting ahead and you just never can make any money to fund you know, the PvP part of the PMC raids, which is why we all play Tarkov in the first place. But once you master that efficiency of the making money phase in between the PMC raids, it really takes a lot of pressure off of your PMCs because you don't have to worry about dying as much. And it just makes the game, I think, a lot more fun when you when you have to play with less pressure. I agree. And I think we move into PMCs because it's really the last thing that we wanted to talk about. And again, for like the fourth reiteration time, this is purely strategies from us as we run PMCs and things we do to make money, nothing else, right? It's keeping all of those key concepts in mind. Survival is key, right? If you survive, you make money, or at the very least, you don't lose it. Don't be greedy. Make sure you know what's valuable. Read patch notes. Know if there's some other places you need to check. You know, you don't always have to go for the high-value items. And map knowledge, map knowledge, map knowledge. It doesn't matter how you get map knowledge, whether you're watching Twitch guide videos, loot run videos, doing offline mode doing it yourself on scav run, doing it yourself on PMCs. It doesn't matter how you get map knowledge, but the more you can get, the more you can memorize areas and know where loot spawns, know where PMCs go, know where scavs can be, the better off you will be with all of the other key concepts with money making we talked about. So for me, this should become as no surprise to anybody. If I'm going to make money on a PMC, there's two things that I make sure I have. One of them is a sick case. And I push for this. I do the trade with Jaeger as soon as I can because you can stuff dog tags in there and I'm a PvPer and dog tags sell for a lot. And 
you can put keys that you search coats in. So whenever I'm on my PMC, you will almost always see me check every single coat. And the reason for that is I'll put every key and currency thing that I can find in there because if I do die, there are keys that I would never ever use that sell for 30000 or 65000 to therapist. And so if I die, but I happen to loot three or four keys and yeah, they're not fine in raid, but now I can sell them to therapist. Boom. That's awesome. But I also get to keep my dog tags, any currency that was found, and then all those keys. So coats, coats, coats. I love looting coats. And then sometimes if you survive and you found a really valuable key, you can make hundreds of thousands or millions if you found a really good key. So that's number one. I like to have a sick case in my secured container. And again, back to the no surprise thing, if I'm on my PMC and I want to make money, I go run factory. The reason for that is I know that map probably better than any other map, better than interchange for sure. And I know how PMCs play on that map and I can exploit their mistakes and then I can farm scabs. And for me, I can spend 15 to 20 minutes in a factory raid and I can gather tons of valuable stuff off of scabs. I can gather rubles off of them. I can get grenades, guns to modify later, and then I can get barter items. And there's a bunch of coats in there. There's safes. For me, if I need to make money, I do it on factory. And it's not just because I increase my ruble count like crazy. It's because I can usually take good guns off of the other players. I can loot coats. I can stock up on flashbangs and grenades. It's so that I don't have to spend as much money gearing out my PMC later. And I can usually kill, on average, three or four PMCs to my one death. And a lot of times I'll encounter one PMC for raid. So sometimes I'll kill a PMC and then I can farm scabs and then I get out, rinse, repeat. And that's how I make money there. So, and that's over and above what I spend in ammo. And for me, that was just how I like to play. And Ronald said it earlier, you make money by leaning into your play style. And for me, being able to strategically play a smaller map that has a high percentage chance of PvP is a way that I make money in Tarkov. Yep. I probably split my time between Shoreline and Factory. As many of you know, if you've been listening to the Xville on our journey, <laughs> as we've documented, never playing Tarkov in episode one, basically, to now. I had a wide variety of success and failure, which I was, I've always talked about with close quarters PvP. Playing Factory has really helped me get better at close quarters PvP. And so now there are days if I need to farm money, I will go on Factory and not necessarily be the aggressor. I may let a group of two PMCs uh, lock down the office and then I will go after scavs, you know, and depending upon, you know, who's marked and where the scavs are going, sometimes you can catch the scavs going up to the people that have the office locked down. There's different strategies for that, depending upon your level. If you're going to really run and gun and take everybody out, which I'm starting to do now, which is actually fun because it's different for me. So factory, I'm starting to have a lot of success on in that way. But as far as ruble count goes and money-making factory is the same kind of thing. It's just efficient, right? But Shoreline is also, I would say, for me, my uh, most comfortable place to PMC. I know where all the cheeky spots are. I know where people run to. So I, I farm PMCs on Shoreline going to resort. And after a while, you just you learn where those spots are. I know how to stay out of their way long enough for them to run past me and shoot them. That's been pretty successful for me. 
I usually can kill two or three PMCs if I specifically am going for that. Or you can play shoreline and not see anybody. You know, there's there's different different ways to go about it. So I I like to farm on shoreline my two farming spots. I like to farm the one of the ways to get up into resort, and I like to farm uh, the gas station pier area because there's always scavs down there. There's always uh, PMCs in that area in the early part of shoreline in the raid. And then there's always player scavs that go after the pier, right? So there's action happening in that part of the map for the entire raid. And if you're patient as a PMC, you can very easily come out of there with 7 to 10 kills. It's not uncommon. And you may only get one PMC kill or two PMC kills and the rest are scavs, but it's all experience and it's all bodies to loot. So. I rarely get out of shoreline now without full bags. So my experience is maybe not exactly like factory. Factory is just more condensed, you know, and depending upon, well, I was going to, I was going to say, depending upon the raid, you know, people bring better gear to factory. That's maybe not necessarily totally true. They probably bring maybe better guns or better ammo to factory because it's just about quantity. But Regardless, there's still good loot the way that I play on Shoreline as well. So I split my time on Factory and on Shoreline, and I've been pretty successful with that. And that's just it. Like I, I'll run Shoreline, I'll run Interchange, but if my pure goal is to make money, I'm going to farm Factory because I can easily make back what I spend in ammo, and then I've just learned a way to farm that. And I've got a video on that, talked about it a number of times, but we haven't talked about making money in quite a while, which is why we went through all of this. Now, as we've gone through this and we're talking about it, all these other things jumped into my mind. So there's things that I don't do. Um, I've tried it. You know, I've tried having keys on interchange and resort and I'm not a key runner. I'm not a money runner. I know people that are highly successful doing this and they've found ways to make it really profitable for them. But they also have a high rate of dying. So it's a lot of times about that, like, you know, that golden egg where it's like, oh, we finally got out with all the things that went in for. Now, that said, I've never had a problem like finding a Letix because when I needed that, I know some people that can jump in a raid and they know resort really well. But there are some benefits to knowing how to do that for yourself, right? If I have to go find a Letix right now, I'd probably have to research it and and go, you know, figure out exactly where in resort to go get them or in interchange and get the key and all that kind of stuff. So it's actually a really good strategy. It's not just, it's just one that I don't really use. And so I don't want you to hear us and say, man, they didn't talk about any keys or which keys are really profitable. And truth is, if I have a found and raid key, I usually sell it. So for me, just key running is just not something I do. I don't do marked rooms. I'm more about PVPing. So I wanted to bring that up because that's really the one of the biggest strategies that a lot of people do is run specific rooms. And it's just not something that I do. And I still I still make a tremendous amount of currency uh, using the uh, the interchange, you know, running scav runs every so often and then, you know, high percentage success X filling on my PMC. Absolutely. And I wanted to point out as well the things that I don't do. I don't run reserve ever. I don't do loot runs on interchange basically ever. And if I need a quest item or something, I just group up with people that know where that stuff is. And I would consider my money-making strategy in Tarkov to be extremely basic. To me, it's all about surviving more than it is anything else. And since the change in find and raid, I don't really even care about 
flipping things in a flea market because you can't, right? So that whole part of the game, which was a lot of fun in the you know previous wipe, is gone. So and now it's just turned into being efficient and surviving is more important to me than hitting that home run. And I have more money than I need, so I can do whatever I want with my PMC. And so that worked well. And that's kind of my kind of final thought with with this is just to encourage you to find a way that is repeatable that you can use to fund your preferred playstyle. And that's what I've, you know, Trigger and I have done. Yeah, and I think the consistency or repeatable or whatever you want to call it is is really key because if you're somebody who can go on labs and repeatedly go in labs and spend the money on the labs card and farm items and other PMCs and raiders and make money doing it, I would love to be able to do that. I just, I'm not there yet. I want to get there, but I'm not there yet. The same goes for reserve. You know, if you can do reserve back to back to back and make money there, do it. I think the concept of repeatable and map knowledge and consistency is really key. Because of that, it also plays into things like Ledex farming. There's times where I wish I was better at doing that. But the guys that do that that I know, they are consistently running the same route. Or if they get certain spawns, they'll head for the Ledex spawns. Because they do that consistently, they find Ledexes consistently. You know, if I stumble into Resort once out of 20 raids and go to a Ledex spawn, I shouldn't expect to find one. I may, and I would be stoked if I did, but the odds are pretty low of that. So. I think the consistency part is key, and you have to figure out something you can do consistently that you have fun doing to make money. Otherwise, you're going to burn out and just be frustrated that you don't have money, and be frustrated that you're not playing how you want to play, and that's really one of the hardest things to do in Tarkov because it's a punishing game anyway. So finding something you can do successfully and consistently in your playstyle super challenging, but try to have fun while you do it, and that helps making money. And for me, that's factory, man. Factory and Interchange, I love those maps, and so I've completely tailored my looting strategy, my hideout strategy, and my PMC strategy around if I need to make money, that's where I go. And you just heard Ronald say basically the same thing, so that's that's really all we had. We went over our key concepts, we hit scavs, hideouts, PMCs. Anything else you want to add to this uh, making money conversation here, Mr. Ronald? The last thing I would add is that absolutely keep this conversation going in Discord or in the comment section in YouTube. Let's talk about uh, what we do to make money. There is no wrong way to play Tarkov, and that's just the greatest thing about the game. So there is no wrong way to make money in Tarkov either. So if you're making money a certain way and you want to talk about what's successful, let's talk about it in episode feedback or wherever that you'd want to do that. I think it's interesting, actually, how many different ways there are to make money and be successful. So that's my final thought with it. I just look forward to getting feedback from all of you and talking about um, making money in the game because that's one of my favorite things to do. With that being said, we've got one last bit of business to take care of for today. So if you've made it to the end of the show, there is the PC giveaway, which we talked about in the beginning of the show. And there is a separate secret code for 10 extra entries. And that secret code is one word, XP Media. Shocking, we know. (laughs) Secret. Don't tell anybody. Just go into your 
entry and make sure you do it, but don't tell anybody. It's a secret. They have to listen to the show to this point. They have to make it to this point in the show to get that secret code. XP Media, one word. In all seriousness, everybody, go and enter for the giveaway. It's a great computer. It's an awesome PUBG case. Go do it. We want to give it away. We are looking forward to giving it away. And I have not been uh, maybe looking at this case for the last 30 days, thinking about ways that I could find someone to win it for me. <laughs> no, I haven't. It's, it's a great case. I'm looking forward to giving it away. It's going to be great. So that ends just as a reminder at the end of the month. So make sure you go ahead and do that. You will have a little bit of time left when this goes live on um, normal on Friday. But that's pretty much it. I'm starting to see the green bar flash above my head, which means that since our bags are full enough, to be profitable for this run, it's time to run out the back of the resort, past the Xfield camper guy who missed us once again, towards the green flares at Rock Passage in Shoreline, and be done with the show for this week. But before we do that, thank you again, blanket thank you just to everybody. Thank you to the patrons who have signed up for the $1 tier. We appreciate the fact that people give their real-life hard-earned money to support the show. It means the world to us. We love doing this, and we are very appreciative that you are willing to give your money to help make this whole project possible, and we really appreciate that. Thank you to everybody who's left feedback on iTunes and comments on YouTube and provided episode feedback in Discord. It's great to talk about these different things. That's the best part about the community that we're all building together is that we can talk about this and we can all have a wide variety of opinions and it's interesting and we really enjoy doing that. So thank you to everybody that's participating in Discord and participating in the community. But that's about it for this week. So as always, have a great week. Good luck with your raids. I hope you make lots of money. I hope your raids are successful in whatever you're trying to get done this week and we'll catch you on the next one. See you everybody. Thank you.